0: Good morning, everybody. Morning. Great to see you this morning and worship with you. Before we get to our Bible reading portion of the morning this morning, why don't I just say a prayer on our behalf to welcome the Lord to guide us in that part of the service? So, will you please bow your heads with me for a moment? Dear God, we want to live for you. We want to live lives that please you, God. And so we ask. Um, this morning that you would help us to, to do just that, to understand your word and to apply it to our lives so that we can draw closer to the purpose that you have for us, God, a purpose that is good and pleasing to you, God, and that is ultimately in our own best interest. And so we ask that you would help us in this portion of the morning, and we worship you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Who has the authority to tell you how to live your life? I'm a member of a gym that has a very interesting business model. This gym wants lots of people to sign up for the gym, but it doesn't want any of them to go to the gym. Because if you actually go to the gym on a regular basis, well then they're gonna have to replace the machines more frequently. And they're going to have to hire more staff to greet you and to, to, all their expenses are going to go up. And so what they do is they create a monthly membership fee that is so low that a lot of people sign up for it. They say, I could afford that. I'll sign up. Many of those people never actually make it to the gym, nor do they cancel their gym memberships because it's not worth the hassle because it's so cheap anyway. Those who do actually go to the gym quickly discover that this gym lacks the equipment necessary for anyone who's serious about fitness, because they don't want you there. They want you to pay your dues and stay home. I read an article about it, and my my brothers, who is a uh, marketing person explained it to me in greater detail. And surprisingly, this business model is very effective. Around 60% of the people who are members of my gym never go to the gym. (laughs) I mentioned that because if in the new year, you are considering increasing your fitness, perhaps, I hope that you will seek out an authority on fitness. Someone who has the knowledge based on their experience or credentials to help you get more fit in the new year. Maybe they'll help you avoid signing up for my gym, for example. If you want to manage your finances better in the new year, put a budget together. Be more diligent with where your money is going. I hope you'll seek uh, authority on finance. Maybe you'll read a book by someone who explains how to budget your money well. Or if you have a strained relationship in your life, maybe a painful relationship with someone that you're maybe even hanging on to some bitterness towards them, and you want help to heal that and to grow. Well, you might seek out an authority on relationships. You might see a life coach here at our church or... You might even meet with a Christian therapist who you can talk it through with and take steps towards healing that relationship. The point I'm trying to make is that all throughout our lives, we seek out authorities on various topics to help guide us through our lives. But who is the authority on life itself? Who has the authority to tell you how to live your life? To tell you that you should care about your physical health, that it is right because you are not just a soul, you're a body and a soul. Who has the authority to tell you that you should budget your money, that you should live within your means and even use it in a particular way? Who has the right to tell you, not just how, to heal a strained relationship, but that it would be wrong not to. That as far as it depends on you, you ought to seek peace with those around you and banish bitterness from your heart. Who has the authority to tell you how to live your life? And the answer, of course, is not me, and it's not Pastor Tim, and it's not you. The answer, of course, is only God has the authority to tell you how to live your life. Because you might feel like you know, well, he has this authority, you might say, because of who he is. And what I mean is that you might feel like you know a lot. You've increased in knowledge as you've been alive and you can you can stand as a pretty good authority on your life But of course the reason that you enjoy gaining knowledge is because you were made in the image of the God of all knowledge Who cannot learn who knows everything Not just everything that is But everything that could be, he is aware right now of all possibilities. You might think to yourself, well, I'm a pretty decent authority on life. Because I've seen a lot. I've been around a few years. I've traveled the globe. And I have a pretty good idea on how to live this life well. But of course, God is everywhere at all times. Not just right now. But throughout all time, he is timeless. And by the way, when we kind of feel like we've got a pretty good grasp on life, I have a pretty strong hold on my family, understanding of family life. I feel like I'm in pretty much in control of my, uh, my business. It's, it's going pretty well, my money. Not so sure I need some authority figure to guide me all your strength comes from the God of all strength and all power. He's in control of everything. And so as much as we may feel like legitimate authorities on our lives, or as much as some expert might seem qualified to advise us on how to live this life best, no one is a higher authority than God simply because of who he is. And so when we start to feel tempted to chart our own course, because what God tells us to do in the Bible doesn't really make sense to us or to the experts we're listening to, we avoid that temptation. And we stick with his revealed will in the word of God, his his speech in written form, the book that he's delegated his authority to, because we know that we don't know as much as God, that he's got the title, the credentials, and the power to tell you and me the best way to live this life. Let's look at a passage this morning in 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to read here, we'll start in verse 13, the sort of second part of the verse. And as we read here, it's going to be a charge that Paul gives to Timothy. And as we read it, see if you, can, if you can hear about how God has the authority to tell us how to live because of who he is. It says this, okay? Starting in verse 13. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. Here it comes. God The blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever. Amen. So Paul charges Timothy to keep the word of God, keep the command of scripture that he is now penned in this letter. And what's his motivation? For Timothy to do this? Well, he says Jesus is coming back. And then he describes who God is. And who is God? Well, he says he's the all-powerful one, the ruler of all. He says he's immortal, meaning he, he doesn't need anyone to live. He gives life to all the living, but he is independent. And he's in this glorious light. His holiness and purity shine so bright that no one can come too close. And it's because of who God is that Timothy would do well when tempted to do anything other than what God has commanded him to do, to simply trust God and obey. Because God is God and he has the authority to tell Timothy and to tell you and to tell me the best and fitting way to live this life. And sometimes it takes trust when what God tells us to do doesn't seem logical to us. When I was in, um, when I was in my undergrad studies, I, uh, I had to study Koine Greek And it was a difficult language to learn. Although I have to confess, every language is difficult for me to learn besides English. But this language was really hard. It had um, 24 different ways to say the. (laughs) And you know, word order, you kind of learn a new language and you try to figure out how the word order works in the sentence. Yeah, forget it. You can put the words wherever you wanna put them. It still says the same thing. You have to decipher the case endings. And, um, and my professor, he, he knew that it was a difficult language. And so on the first day of class, he had us memorize a quote. This is Zwingli quote, apparently. And, and it was just, um, and then we were quizzed on it. It was, um, I have firmly decided to study Greek. Nobody but God can stop me. It is not a matter of personal ambition, but of knowing the most sacred writings. And then from time to time, he would ask us to recite the quote as a class. And uh, usually he'd wait until, you know, we had just taken a particularly difficult quiz or something. And we're like passing in this quiz and you can just hear the groan rippling across the room. like, oh. And he'd just collect all these papers and put them in a nice stack on his podium. And then he would say, let me hear the quote. And we'd be like, I have firmly decided to study Greek. Nobody but God can stop me. It is not a matter of personal ambition. And we get to the end, and he'd say, let me hear it again. And we say it again. And he'd say, let me hear it again. And we say it again. And then he'd say, louder this time. And we'd say it louder. And he'd say, Louder! And then finally, he would scream, and he would say, I want them to hear you in Talbot East. And this class of all men, the one woman dropped out, would scream at the top of our lungs, I have firmly decided to study Greek. Nobody but God. And then we get all the way through to the end and just silent. Turn in your textbooks to page 256. And we keep studying. And part of what made it so difficult um, was that from the moment we showed up to class, we had to start learning to sing songs in Greek. We didn't know how to say hello in Greek, and we were learning songs the first week of class in Greek. Uh, songs like "ho he to to taste to to te to ton Tain to hi Hai ta ton 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 tois, twice twice." I had no idea what I just said. (laughs) Turns out that's the 24 different ways to say the. Yeah, we didn't know, really. We learned that. We learned a song for verbs, a song for participle, a song for prepositions. Song after song making funny noises that we had no clue what was going on. And it was hard. You had to sing them in class to test you, write them down, and then chant them. So finally, the professor... He, he must have sensed our frustration. Because one day in class he said, you must be frustrated. I'm asking you to learn all these songs and it makes no sense to you. I'm asking you to trust me. And what choice did we have? He was the professor. He would read from the Greek Bible in flawless English to us and he was grading us. So we kept learning the songs, and of course, at a certain point in the semester, it started to make sense. At a certain point, we came to the chapter on the, and the 24 different ways to say it, and I already knew how to say the, and the 24 different ways it might appear in a sentence. I couldn't forget it. And we came to the chapter on verbs, And I knew verbs. And we came to the chapter on participle, and everything was falling into place. And I would chat with the students from the other Greek classes, and they'd say, Oh, it's so hard to remember these incredibly complex paradigms. And I'd say, Really? I can't forget them. (laughs) They haunt me in my sleep. (laughs) And we were so grateful for what our professor put us through. A couple years later on campus when I was in grad school, I would see that gray-haired man walking across campus. It always seemed like he's like a football field away from me, and I'd spot him. And my heart would just swell with love for this man, and I would just, I just always fantasize about running over there and hugging him and saying, you remember me? You taught me Greek. I still know my songs. (laughs) I share that because I think oftentimes in life, when God commands us in his word how to live, it doesn't make sense to us. We say, God, that would be really inconvenient for me to pursue my health. Lord, what a headache and what a drudgery to be more careful and to budget my finances. Oh, what impossibility to figure out how to let go of the bitterness I have towards this person. I'm perfectly fine with my relationships the way they are. And when we come to those moments where it just doesn't make sense to us how life would be better and would be right if we obeyed God, we have to trust him. We have to say, God, it doesn't make sense right now. It feels and it looks wrong. But you are God, and I am not. You know how you made me and how life works. You know what brings you the most glory and me the greatest good. So even though it doesn't make sense, I will step out in faith Step out in obedience to your word, because you are the authority on life, and I am not. He's the authority on life simply because of who he is, God. But not just because of who he is, but because of what he's done, because of who he is. You see, he created us. He spoke us into existence for a purpose. And if you want to know who is the highest authority, who can tell you how to live your life, how about the one who made you and placed you here for his purpose? And nothing could be more frustrating than trying to live life and ignoring the design of life that the designer has designed let's look at one more passage here this time we'll look at colossians chapter 1 colossians chapter 1 and we will read this time in verse 15 Of Colossians 1, and see if you can see God's authority that comes from what he's done by making us. It says this, starting in verse 15. It's describing the supremacy of Christ. Fitting. It says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Wow. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. He's not just our creator, but he created us for a reason, and that reason was himself. For his pleasure and his glory, he placed us here on earth. And if you want to live according to the authority of God, you live the way he tells you to live. Nothing could be more frustrating than opening up a brand new game, like I do with my pals in that room over there once in a while in our Bible study, and pulling out the board and all the pieces and just trying to make up the rules. It might be funny. I've never tried it. It might be interesting, but it would be frustrating because the game with all of its little pieces and cards and timers was designed by someone. And the person who designed it for an experience Explicit purpose. Put that purpose in the box. And so, of course, we don't make up the rules and expect to have fun and enjoy ourselves. We take out the rules, and someone in the group, smarter than me, pours over them (laughs) and explains to the rest of us how to play the game. And it might take a practice round or two, but we end up playing the game and having fun. And nothing could be more frustrating than trying to live this life and ignoring the design, the plans, the instructions, the commands of the one who created us for his purpose. And we know that because we've all ignored the purpose of God. We have all lived this life as if we could make up our own instructions. We have all neglected God's word and suffered the consequences to some degree with our health. I'm sure we've done it. My brother once told me that he got tired of using toothpaste. So he said, I kept brushing my teeth, but I would just put the toothbrush under the water and create the friction necessary to clean my teeth. And he said it worked out great for about six months until he went to the dentist. And he said the dentist told him that it looked like someone had taken a machine gun to the back row of his teeth and blown cavities in them. (laughs) I'm sure we've all, to some degree, put off stewarding our bodies and felt perfectly fine in the moment and found later that it was causing some problems and it wasn't in our best interest. My guess is that most, if not all of us, have failed to honor God with our finances fully at some point in life lived beyond our means swiped the credit card a few too many times to enjoy some indulgences and though it may have made sense in the moment and even felt good we know that in time our conscience was stricken by the mountain of debt that was hanging over us and perhaps even all the money we spent on ourselves it doesn't set the heart free like generosity does. And so we've suffered the consequences. And when we've, when we've held on to a grudge before we forgave someone for years, maybe, and we finally get around to, to forgiving them and letting go, I don't think many of us look back and say, I'm glad I held it, though, for five years. No. No. We say, wow, I was the one in prison. And I had the key all along to get out. It was the word of God and I didn't use it. See, we've all suffered the unnecessary consequences of sin by ignoring the instructions of the one who made us for a specific purpose. And it's frustrating to live that way. But after we've banged our head into the wall over and over and over, pretending like we can be the authority on life and suffered the painful consequences, the addictions, the bitterness, the loneliness. Jesus is still standing there saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For I am gentle and humble in heart. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me and I will give rest to your souls. There's this song I love about someone who hasn't quite connected the dots on this issue of following the will of the creator. Someone, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's by the band called Thrice and it, it describes someone who is living life on their own terms, their own way, doing whatever seems right to them. And they can't figure out why the more and more they try to make up their own rules, why life seems to get more and more frustrating and painful. I wanna read you the lyrics of this song, if I may. It's called Black Honey. It says, I keep swinging my hand through a swarm of bees because i i want honey on my table i keep swinging my hand through a swarm of bees because i i want honey on my table but i never get it right no i never get it right i keep swinging my hand through a swarm of bees i can't understand why they're stinging me but i'll do what i want i'll do what i please i'll do it again till i've got what i need I'll rip and smash through the hornet's nest. Do you understand? I deserve the best. And I'll do what I want. I'll do what I please. I'll do it again till I got what I need. Now, a little later in the song, he picks up and he says, I keep swinging my hand through a swarm of bees. I can't understand why they're stinging me. But I'll do what I want. I'll do what I please. I'll do it again till I got what I need. I'll rip and smash through the hornet's nest. Do you understand I deserve the best? Till you do what I want, I'll do what I please. I'll do it again till I've got what I need. And this time, I'll get it right. This time, I'll get it right. It's going to be this time I'll get it right. God, let it be this time I get it right. So I'm cutting that branch off the cherry tree, singing this will be my victory. Then I see them coming after me. They're following me across the sea, and now they're stinging my friends and my family, and I I don't know why this is happening, but I'll do what I want. I'll do what I please. I'll do it again till I got what I need. I love that song because it's relatable. We've all suffered the consequences of disobeying God, and perhaps we've even gotten to the point where this person got, where they resisted the will of God doing whatever they thought was right, whatever pleased them to such a point, that didn't just start making them suffer, but their friends and family started suffering too because of their sinful choices. The addiction that doesn't stay private, the lust that breaks out into adultery, the anger that causes a raised fist because you never dealt with it in your heart starts to hurt the people you love and so it's 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 relatable and it's a good reminder of another reason why we should let god be the authority because he made us for a purpose and it's frustrating to ignore that purpose and i'm not saying that the christian life is easy we all know that the christian life isn't easy even though jesus says come to me i'll give you rest And I came that they would have life abundantly. Even so, it's a challenge. But let's not forget why the Christian life is a challenge. It's a challenge because of the deceitfulness of sin, as the author of Hebrews tells us. It's a challenge because sin promises us a lie. That if we follow sin instead of the word of God, that we will be more satisfied in the end than if we resisted sin and pursued obedience to Christ. That's why it's a race, Paul says, that we have to persevere in. That's why it's a fight. That's why it's hard. Because of the deceitfulness and the lie, the trick, the trap of sin that would lead us away from obedience to Christ. Who is... The authority on life. Because he made us. But he didn't just make us, he sustains us. I don't know if you ever think about this, but God didn't just make us and then step back to watch the show and sometimes pop in and sometimes pop out. But do you realize that the same God who spoke us into existence, the Bible says, sustains us by that very word? That every every raindrop that falls from the sky, it isn't just the mechanics of nature playing out the way they've been written. Although it is. But in some way, we can't completely understand it is also God actively causing each drop to fall and hold together until it hits the ground. When a blade of grass breaks through the ground, It isn't just a seed doing what a seed does. It is. But it's also God calling forth that blade of grass in some way. The one who created us sustains us. And when it comes to this question of who is the ultimate authority on life, who has the authority to tell you how to live your life, I don't know, how about the one who gives you the very ability to ask that question? How about the one who holds together the irreducibly complex cells in your brain that allows you to even ponder authority itself? And the one, well, who, gave us, who gives us each breath we breathe, each day we have, each meal we eat and who will one day ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? Let's read the passage that we just read one more time. But this time, listen to the very last verse and how Jesus not only created us, but he holds the universe together. Let's see. Let's read it again, starting in verse 15. It says this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him, And for him, here it comes. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Did you hear that? He holds together every speck of our universe that would shatter and cease to exist if it were not for the power of his word, the son of God, holding it together. And when we stand before him on the day of judgment, when Christ returns, like we already read about earlier, and he says to each of us, what did you do with what I gave you? With every breath that I let come out of your mouth, with every step I sustained, with every thought that I held together for you to think. Here's what I don't want to say on that day. I did whatever I wanted. I did it my way. I charted a course in life that seemed fitting to me at the time because I thought it would make me happy and if it ceased to make me happy I tried something else and I just did as I pleased. I wasn't perfect but I was true to me. That's not what I wanna say on that great and terrible day. What I wanna say is God, I did not do it perfectly, but by your grace, I strove to do with everything you gave me, what you asked me to do. God, when I went to the gym, when I put the food in my basket at the grocery store, I was trying to take care of the body that you loaned me for your purposes. And God, when I, when I peered over that spreadsheet and I formulated my budget, I was doing it for you so that I could honor you with the money that belonged to you for the time that you put me over it as a manager. And God, I did not want to forgive my enemy. He hurt me so bad and it was so wrong. But Lord, I found your help to slowly but surely release him to find your grace to forgive and to be at peace that's what i want to say on the day of judgment when i stand face to face with the one who held created and held together every cell in my body every day i was alive there's a a song by the same band that i mentioned to you earlier thrice it's called beggar beggars and it's based on the final words of Martin Luther, the reformer. His final words were, it's true, we're all beggars. Which seems to imply that on his deathbed, as his life eked away from him, he realized that his life belonged to God, who had given it to him and who was taking it back. And that everything in his life belong to God. And he wasn't God. He was just a beggar of God's grace in life. And this, this band, Thrice, they wrote this song about that concept of, 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 of being a beggar, you might say, of everything that God provides in life. And I'll read it to you like it's a poem, if that's okay. It goes like this. <clears throat> All you great men of power, you who boast of your feats, Politicians and entrepreneurs, can you safeguard your breath in the night while you sleep? Keep your heart beating steady and sure? As you lie in your bed, does the thought haunt your head that you're really rather small? If there's one thing I know in this life, we are beggars, all. All you champions of science and rulers of men, Can you summon the sun from its sleep? Does the earth seek your counsel on how fast to spin? Can you shut up the gates of the deep? Don't you know that all things hang as if by a string over the darkness, poised to fall? If there's one thing I know in this life, we are beggars, all. All you big shots that swagger and stride with conceit, did you devise how your frame would be formed? If you'd be raised in a palace or live out on the streets, did you choose the place or the hour you'd be born? Tell me, what can you claim? Not a thing, not your name. Tell me if you can recall just one thing, not a gift in this life. Can you hear what's been said? Can you see now that everything's grace after all? If there's one thing I know in this life, we are beggars all. God created us. God sustains us. And we do well to recognize that because of who he is, because of what he's done, and because of what he does every moment in our lives, we are fooling ourselves if we think that there is any higher authority on life. Anyone with more knowledge, power, title, credentials, who could instruct us on the best way to live. And so let's recognize his authority and follow his word, the Bible. That's why we are launching the series for the new year, Build Your Life. We're going to be looking at various Various ways to build our life on God's Word. At its heart, it's a series on the doctrine of the Word of God. And today we've attempted to consider the authority of God's Word. But there's lots of more topics within the doctrine of God's Word that we'll be looking at over the coming weeks. And I hope that it encourages us, challenges us, and inspires us to build our lives on the Bible, the Word of God. Will you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? Dear God, thank you for this morning, for this opportunity to read some passages from the Bible, Lord, that are true and beautiful. And thank you for letting me do my best to read and explain some of them, God. We just ask now that as we continue our worship service that you would continue to minister to us through your Spirit. Continue to convict and encourage and guide us, Lord, whatever each of us needs right now where we're at, Lord, so that we can draw closer to you from our hearts, especially, Lord, as we take communion and reflect on the cross. Amen.